Hello Shoutout Podcast fans, Andy here and welcome to this rather special edition of our podcast. On our last show we were lucky enough to interview Tom Pryor who is the star and co-writer of a new movie called Firebird. Now for editorial reasons we do have to limit how much time we can put things out on air but the interview was so good we wanted to do a special podcast just for you so you can hear the interview in its full entirety of nearly 20 minutes or so. This is that podcast Enjoy. Hi, I'm Tom Pryor, and you're listening to Shout Out. Shout Out. LGBT radio for you. Here in the UK, we celebrate equality and diversity, but as we well know, it hasn't always been the case. In some countries across the world at the moment, it is still illegal to be gay, sometimes even carrying very heavy penalties. Russia is no different, currently has laws banning homosexual propaganda. But if you go back to the 1970s Soviet era, it was even worse, with homosexuality carrying a sentence of five years hard labour. In a new film out now, based on the memoir of Sergei Fetisov, Firebird, co-written by and starring Tom Pryor, explores the true life story of a forbidden love story between two men in the Russian military. Do you have a girl back home? No. Do you? I could show him around. I'm afraid of this dream. Of waking up. Of losing you. A report has been received implying you have engaged in immoral conduct with the private. Give me his name. We could escape. Sergei, I'm an officer. I can't leave my motherland. Sexual relations of a man with another man, which is punishable by five years' imprisonment in a hard labor camp. If there is the slightest truth in that report, nobody can protect you then. I see what goes on under my nose. I knew it. You know what happens to men like you? Like me? What do you then? You really believe that if you live a lie long enough, it'll suddenly become true. You don't know anything about me. Run! You won't tell anyone. I tried so hard to forget you, but I can't. We were lucky enough to catch up with Tom just before opening night. Uh, well, uh, firstly, thanks a lot for having me. It's um, Love Firebird really is a story uh, about a conscript in the Soviet army who falls in love with a superior officer his, uh, as a fighter pilot. And it's really uh, a story which um, is about following your heart and following love pretty much at all costs. And it follows their journey on the Air Force Base and sort of several years afterwards about how they fight to be together and fight to be with who they really love. Tom, how did you come about finding this story? Well, I was in um, Los Angeles at the end of 2014, which seems like forever ago now. And I had just shot um, two films here, actually, in the UK, um, Kingsman, The Secret Service, and uh, the theory of everything, which I'm in for about three seconds. And um, 
I had gone over to LA to, to, to do a lot of meetings and, you know, uh, I just done a working title film and 20th century Fox film. And it's just like, Oh, you know, everything is going to be huge now. And, and took a lot of meetings and actually funnily enough, the one meeting I had, which had nothing to do with, uh, uh, sort of agency and, and the reason why I was actually in LA and was, was just sort of more of an acquaintance was actually with a film financer and a producer. And, um, she had actually just read Peter Rabain's first draft of Firebird, which was actually then called Roman. And um, he had just put together this, this early draft and she started telling me about the story and she was like, you'd be really good to play the lead in this film. And I was really intrigued by the story. And so when um, I got back to London, she introduced us and uh, we got on super well and you know, realized that we'd be able to work together. And so we decided to shoot um, two scenes to sort of industry standard as a proof of concept, like a sort of teaser trailer. And it was actually during that process that I decided I had the sort of audacity to say, do you know, maybe we can change like the dialogue between or there. Um, well, she was amazingly receptive on and uh, very graciously took my feedback. And then after that, we uh, sat down for about two weeks and discussed the rest of the script and, you know, what, what, what I believe the, you know, the film's real potential could be. And, and then two and a half years of rewriting, restructuring and redrafting and uh, going to Moscow to meet the real Sergei and, and, you know, speak to him about his story. Um, we came up with a, a pretty good result in terms of a script, but then obviously we had to do everything else and raise the financing and, and the casting. <clears throat> so yeah, then I became a producer as well. So yeah, it was, it was never, it was never intended to come about that way, but that's sort of how it came about, which was quite magical. Uh, tell us about, cause you, you met the guy whose memoir, the story is based on. Um, he was quite insistent from what I understand that it shouldn't be something political. But of course, it's not easy to tell a story like this and completely ignore the politics, because of course that's kind of what is causing the issue in the first place around the homophobia in it. I mean, how did you go about tackling that? Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting. It was it was that he said, "Please don't make this film about politics. Make it about love." And I see very much the reason why he wanted to do that because actually in the original story. Um, the love between the two guys is so kind of all encompassing that there's almost no context of that threat. There is, but like it, it's not the kind of focal point. And so it was kind of really our job as screenwriters to, to go, okay, where's the line in which, you know, it, it becomes, believable or not because actually one of the main things that we asked him when we met him was like you know would, did this actually happen or you know this sound sounds like idyllic or, or fantastical because the 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 love was sort of so all-encompassing so we kind of decided that he was he was not he didn't say like you know we had to do anything particularly with the way that the story was told other than like it was kind of really more about an intention and so we really wanted to make it really about this sort of soul's coming together and two people being together no matter what. And, you know, at one point during the writing process, we very nearly had it that it became much more about the state's intervention into the relationship as opposed to what a relationship does as a result of a totalitarian system and a, a um, regime of fear. 
actually that's kind of in some ways almost for me more tragic is rather than somebody else going you can't do this and and actually um forcing the situation it's actually the people having to act out from the fear which is imposed upon them which is actually more tragic it, it does have, it comes across really well in in the movie i mean the the whole kind of a tr- triangle isn't it not 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 quite but the, the, you do end up almost with like the three of them in the relationship and i don't don't want to give away any spoilers but the way it concludes i thought was was stunning you know i mean it, cool. it was it brought brought a tear to my eye too so i mean what what do you think kind of people should take away from this film when they watch it i'd really love if people come out of it feeling a little bit more courageous about following that heart about like, you know, going after love. Um, that's something that it's certainly done for me. It's, it's forced me to become more and more authentic about what I want in my life, who I am. And um, I think that the story sort of shows us in a quite a cathartic way, what real, deep love can feel like and also what you know i don't want to give anything away but what <laughs> other emotions can feel like as as well around love and you know what people do to struggle to be with those that they love it's it's honestly astonishing that so many people in the world live in countries or in societies where it's actually illegal to simply love the person that they love and that still to this day utterly breaks my heart. And that's why I think that, you know, even when we live in countries you know, like the UK and, and in America and many other countries where there's huge progression, um, it's still very important to keep in check um, even that message of kind of going, am I following like my truth? Am I following love and, and experiencing and, and, and sort of being able to do that? So that's something I'd really love people to be able to take away. Oh, you captured um, you captured the scenery of Soviet Baltic states, um, the vehicles, the buildings, the people, the uniforms. Everything was so accurate. How did you find all that? Well, we were blessed with a really amazing team. I mean, Peter uh, Rubain, my my co-writer and the, and the director of the film, grew up in the Soviet Union, as did our cinematographer and many of our um, crew. And so when it came to accuracy, there was a lot of very sharp eyes because so many people had actually lived through that era because mm. actually the Soviet Union you know, collapse was you know, 30 something years ago only. So there's a lot of, there was a lot of really experienced people who lived through the specificity of that time. And it meant that, you know, it could have been anybody who was just like, Oh, that doesn't, that's not quite accurate. And sometimes you had to be a little bit creative. But I mean, one thing that we did, which was a bit of a creative license, was that um, my, char- my character, for example, never would have been allowed to write left-handed. Like everybody in the Soviet Union was right-handed. But we actually just decided just for fun that like, you know, make Sergei left-handed. I am actually left-handed, but um, it was just like, oh, we'll just, we'll just chuck it in up. there and just like have a little bit. And, and it's just, it's so fascinating because, you know, people who lived during that time, the audience has seen it. They were like, oh, there's a mistake. And we were like, no, we actually honestly consciously did that. It's very just poignant. Kind of 
It's very poignant, Tom, isn't it, that the um, Ukraine's just been attacked and Putin wants to start another Soviet Union sort of Mark II. Yeah. You couldn't have known that this was going to happen and now this film is being released now across the UK. You couldn't have known and yet you've just hit the right time of to show what the Soviet Union was like and what Putin mm. wants now for Ukraine. Yeah, that, that's... Having struggled so, for so long to get this film out, especially during the pandemic, uh, had its own challenges. And it's kind of almost just like the film knew itself when it had to come out, which is kind of surreal. And, it, you know, it's not to also say that, it, you know, it's, it's amazingly timely, but also what's going on in Ukraine is, is unbelievably sad. My co-star actually is originally from Ukraine and he's actually in Kiev now. And... You know, we've been in regular contact and and speaking like most days just to sort of check in, but he actually cannot come to the UK premiere. Um, he's not allowed to leave the country. And he's there basically in solidarity with the rest of the men within this country who aren't allowed to leave. Um, he's not actually able to fight because there's simply not enough, you know, there's not enough facilities to be able to arms like as, as many volunteers as there are. Um, but yeah, it it's it's been really amazing to also see how the response has been because, you know, we have lost one of our partnerships um, uh, through who was going to show the film, not in the UK, in a different territory because of the war and because they were like, oh, you know, it's a Russian content. And we were like, this is the very film which Russia wanted to ban because when we were at the International Moscow Film Festival, which we miraculously got into, it was silenced and it was effectively closed down and they stopped letting people into the theatre. And you, well, you also got quite a backlash from, from what I read, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a, a letter written to the State Prosecution Office saying that they should remove the, uh, the film from the festival. Um, we had 93 press articles written about the film following the first screening, 92 of them inherently negative. And... Um, we actually had some protesters, which I've actually got a photo of somewhere on, on our socials, um, of people standing outside the uh, cinema um, holding a banner saying "Stop homosexual propaganda." So, yeah, there's, there's definitely a, uh, there's definitely still quite a resistance there. That's for sure. For even showing a film like this, I mean, you know, forget even trying to live a life um, in, in such the, a relationship. The problem is, it kind of proves the whole point doesn't it you know the, the, the whole point of this is to highlight what it was like what's most worrying is it's also what it's still like yeah i mean you know in in 1977 when the film is well when the film begins anyway um the the article um basically means that the, the article which uh, forbids um, same-sex relationships would result in going to a hard labor camp for five years and that a lot of people didn't come back from it. It was like a concentration camp. It, it's, it wasn't sort of like going to prison. It was like most people didn't come back from that. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, now there are anti-humanistic laws in place, which is, you know, stopping the promotion of homosexuality, but it's a very interpretive law. Um, and, but I mean, thankfully it, it's not what it was, but it's not far it's still not, not far from feeling safe in a country. 
And I, I'm I'm 100 sure the movie's going to be an amazing success. So we we watched it last night, and I didn't really know what to th- what to think. But it, it is it is basically like watching a Hollywood blockbuster movie. It, it certainly felt like that with all the effects and you know the attention to detail and and I don't know how you pull off those Russian accents, but <laughs> we're well, a very <laughs> very good guy, coach. <laughs> um, you know. Given that this is, uh, you should say, would you consider doing it again with a different story if you found a different memoir or someone else who'd written something about it? Would you do it all over again? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would, I would, I would like it to be slightly less stressful in places in terms of, you know, we also did it in a very, for, for what it looks like, and also this is also based upon a lot of people's feedback, particularly in the US, folks who, who work in Hollywood have said that they don't know how we managed to pull off something which looks so expensive or actually, I mean, the budget is still 4.2 million euros, but I mean, it's, it looks like, you know, at a zero. Um, it does. Again, what other people I, I, said, um, but I'm sort of quite satisfied to hear that, but you know, that's just been like the, the really dedicated team that we've had. Like I said, our, our, our DOP might, our cinematographer and our lighting team and, and, you know, Peter's diligence to sort of no compromise when it comes to kind of quality. Um, we're very much on the same level with as well. And, you know, we have, we produced this film together. I sat through the majority of the edit. Like I actually am the, the music supervisor on the film by accident. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of, there's been all kinds of, uh, moments where I thought the job was done and then it wasn't. But honestly, like, I love the medium of filmmaking because it's such a collaborative process for the most part. Even even down to the music, I don't know if that actually was an orchestra or not, but if it wasn't, you'd be fooled. Because it, it, it does sound like you've got a full <laughs> orchestra going the whole way through the movie, you know. Yeah, we actually filmed it, the film with the film Philharmonic Orchestra in Prague actually everything live in a um in a uh it's not auditorium i'm just losing the word now but in in the actual like um theater space together which is very unusual because normally you you record everybody separately in separate stems and separate rooms and then you can kind of mix it and play with it however you want but actually we decided to give it this sort of authentic feel to actually record it all together actually on the stage which is which is not very often done anymore. Well, I got to got to ask one, and I will caveat this with: this is after the credits. Uh, but there was one point that both me and my husband and and, and Steph picked up on. There's one final scene right at the very end, and when it come up and you see it's um it's the baddie that's been kind of chasing them, I was half expecting to see another man in the cab with him, and, and it'd be that kind of a big reveal. But that that didn't happen so am i correct in saying that it's just to highlight that it's still ongoing afterwards after the story's concluded yeah it's a it's a bit of an easter egg it's like a bit of a marvel easter egg there um which which we were kind of whether to put in or not was a different matter but it's kind of a little bit also just like yeah, this, this gentle sting in the tail this gentle reminder that this is still a reality 
you know, it's it, so it was wishful thinking on our part that he was actually gay all along. Then, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, probably in another draft of the, the film, he was. But <laughs> uh, so, listen, um, premiere was out last night, twentieth of um, April. Um, when 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 can everyone go see it? Where can they see it? Basically, now, which is really cool. We've we've uh, we've honestly we're thrilled with actually how wide it's going to open from what we actually originally anticipated. So View Cinemas has been amazingly generous at programming us a lot um, and in quite a few of their sites and also Showcase Cinemas. Um, there's quite a few screenings on and then there's a few little indie independent um, cinemas as well. And also, you know, I know that more cinemas are open to seeing how the film does and are, you know, kind of on the fence now about opening afterwards as well but i mean I would really urge people to do is go now simply because the independent cinema scene is so unpredictable so it'd be like if you want to see this on a big screen and people have said it's a it's a, a big movie screen experience um because of you know it's it kind of actiony and and beautiful shots and stuff then i'd be like go and see it in the cinema now from Friday officially opens 22nd. That's the first thing my husband said, he said, that's so good, I'm going to go see that in the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'd highly recommend that. Go see it while it's in the cinema. So listen, Tom, it's been amazing talking to you. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, best of luck. I hope it has the best uh, opening uh, possible for you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Tom. For more information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shoutout. LGBT Radio for you.